Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. Very good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast on We Are Cavan. On today's show, we're going to be taking a look back over last year um, on our Patreon service where we've done some in-depth interviews and we decided to bring um, a couple of snippets from those interviews uh, to the to the, the McAvoy's podcast. I suppose Paul Fitzpatrick, who always joins me here, we could call this an advertisement. Uh, yeah, it's pre- it's pretty unashamed, Damien. Like it's it's uh, all, all that's missing is a button. If you could do some sort of an audio <laughs> button that people could press on their phones or something like that. But look, I I think I think after eighteen months at a at a diehard service, you're entitled to to advertise it. There's been some great stuff on it. Um, some fantastic l- long form in depth interviews. You know, get, getting a, a, an old Cavan footballer or something like that into the studio for an hour and a chance to pick their brains. Like I I think it's something that hasn't been done before. Yeah, uh, and I I love listening back to to those long interviews. And and to let people know, we went from old to young on them. So the the people that we've decided to pull out snippets from their interviews, these were were all almost all hour long interviews. Was Damien O'Reilly, um, Mullahorn and Cavan Gray, Declan Coyle, of course, um, Cavan Ulster winner in nineteen sixty nine, um, and, and a, an amazing life afterwards. Paul the Gunner, five time world handball champion and ex-county senior footballer uh, Dara McVitie of course as before he headed away on his travels got a good uh, um, chat with him and then Mickey Graham just after he was appointed as Cavan senior manager a good long in-depth interview with him and, and, and his history into the into the life that he's chosen in the GEA so. well, as, I was, as I was saying to you off air I mean, um, I'm not blowing you up but I don't, I don't think anyone else could have done that Mickey Graham interview in the same depth because you had already had a relationship with him he managed you when you were playing with Drummond Lee and you, you knew what it was like growing up being mad to play football in, in yeah. Cavan Town so, and um, then likewise with Paul De Gunner and you like, y- yeah I would probably yeah I'd have to say that's right because nobody would would have that handball freak knowledge that I have as well yeah. so I, I, th- I think uh, they're, they're worth listening to myself yeah well, look at what we'll do is we'll start the ball rolling and um, the first clip that I've picked out is from probably my favourite Cavan player of all time is Damien O'Reilly and um, in the clip here he talks about how he in his for his debut his championship debut it was against Monaghan in 1988 how it came about and maybe it was a bit unexpected at the time but um, yeah, he he explains the whole process and and I suppose the feeling of of walking out onto that field for the first time. Before the uh, the championship, we played meet up in Dunderry in, in opening another pitch, and I was marking playing a cornerback, marking Colin Morocco, and I thought myself I'd done quite well, but I didn't really expect to get into the team, and uh, he didn't name the team until you know, close to the match, maybe that week of the match and, and uh, we went actually down to Cootill to the White Horse in advance of the match to beat the traffic so we went in by uh, Newbliss, I think, the back way into Clonus so we, we, we wouldn't get the traffic. So he's talked about, he talked about the, the, 
the match and talked about the way we were going to line up and he just said that you know what swung it for me was how I played on, Ro- on Colm O'Rourke that Colm O'Rourke had been in UCD with him and he spoke to him during the week and, and Colm O'Rourke sort of said to him you know that he thought I offered something and, and that's probably what swung it for me so that's how I got in so it was good, but it was a bit daunting, you know, from, from memory. I think the one thing I took from it was that, funny, it's, it's always the way when Cavan played Mon, and it's all blue and white, you know, yeah. because it's, it's either white and blue or blue and white, but it's all blue and white. You look around in Clonus and you haven't played much football in, in, in front of a large crowd and suddenly you're in Clonus, uh, Mark and Nudie Hughes, and you look around and all you see is blue and white, so <laughs> it was a bit daunting. Yeah, and Nudie Hughes at that stage, household name across the country, as big as, big as they came, it was a... It was a difficult first day out. It was. It certainly was. And you know, we were beating beat in the match, but there wasn't at, at times in that match there, there wasn't a lot in the game. You know, and I think we we, we battled hard, but uh, just came up short. But uh, yeah, no, you know, Monan had a lot of good players as well, and I think we 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 had a lot of good players. I think it, it was different from our perspective, I suppose, because. We were only new in in a couple of years, you know. We weren't seasoned, you know, at, at championship, and so I, I think if you're there a while, I think you you get to feel championship and understand championship better. I think when you're only in your first year, I think you're trying to just keep your head above the water. And Paul, it's interesting there. Like he he uses the word daunting, you know, when he looks at the blue and white, and you know, but yet later on in the interview, he talks about um, you know not really suffering with nerves at any point like that but yet that was I, th- I thought it was just interesting that it could be daunting but not nervous yeah. you know, it shows pre- maybe an insight into the man himself that he can say well geez, this is a challenge but it didn't manifest as nerves yeah th- that's one of those things I, I sometimes think it's something you're born with like there's definitely a deep seated confidence there it's definitely not an arrogance with Damien no. at, at, at all but and there's definitely a deep-seated inner belief there in him, and you could you could tell you could tell that. Like in fairness to him, he played so many great games for Kevin under pressure. But what I loved about that interview most was people people if they sign up will will hear it. At the start of the interview, you you laid your cards on the table. You sat there and were like, "You are my favorite Kevin player," <laughs> and it it set a lovely tone. Like it set a lovely gentle tone for the interview. That that uh, okay, this is where this is where we're coming from here, and. Now, now let's go. I, I, I like that about it. It was a nice, yeah. warm interview. Yeah, it, it, and you know, it was easy to do. And, and it was one of the, while there are some that I done on my own or you done on your own, that was one that the two of us done together. And you'd know Damien very well as well. So it, it, it came across in the interview. The other one that Damien was, was relaxed and, and got into it, but he told a story about in, in 96, 97, maybe 95, when, when Martin McHugh first came in. And Martin McHugh was talking about retaining possession, and and you know it's not just about kicking the ball out, um, you know not just about driving it fifty yards up the field as a full back, which Damien was probably at that time. But um, here's here's a, a very interesting little story Damien told during the interview. I, I, I tried to play with a bit more composure because sometimes when you're a defender, you're, you're you, that back then you were used to actually running out with the ball and just ballooning it wherever it, it went, you know, because. Especially before McHugh took us over, I remember in Ar- in Arva one time having lunch, and, and uh, this fella says to me, "It was Mc- when McHugh was over." He says to me, "He says, yeah, he says you've changed the way you play." And I said, "Yeah, I have." And uh, will we have? We're trying to keep possession. Yeah, I don't like that. He says, "I'd rather <laughs> you just catch it and come out and boot it up the field." I said, "Yeah, that sounds good and looks good." But I said, "But you're giving away possession." And he says, "Yeah, but it got the crowd going." You know. <laughs> But uh, I, I he's, he's still at these games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear him every week. Yeah. Let it on. Yeah, let it on. Yeah, so that was that was 
couple of inserts in, in, into Damien O'Reilly. Um, for the rest of it, head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are Kevin. You get all of these on, on the back catalogue anyway. So if you sign up for $5 a month, you get all of these. That's the last time I'm going to say that between clips. Um, so the next one we have selected is one from one of the most in-depth pieces we've done on the Die Hards podcast. It was in September of 2018. Mickey Graham came into studio for an hour-long interview where he talked about his childhood, his early memories of football and his career. Um, in the following segment, he talks about the noise in Crow Park in 1997 in the All-Ireland semi-final against Kerry and goes on to describe his regrets that Cavan didn't win more in that era. I remember the same thing. I remember coming out and it was like walking into a beehive because all you hear was this hissing noise. You couldn't hear. I remember Jason was standing beside me and I turned around and I said, this is unreal. And he didn't even hear me. He couldn't even hear and He wasn't five yards away from me. And he looked at me as much as say, and he said something back and I couldn't hear him either. So that's what the noise decimals was when we walked out. It was just... You know, buzzing, nice cheer and foghorns, everything going off. And I remember doing around the walk, kicking around the warm up, saying, "Oh my God!" It was, it did hit us. Like you know, I think a lot of us didn't expect, we weren't expecting, you know, the atmosphere that was there that day. And I remember going back to the sideline before the game started to the dugout, and I was just saying, "Oh my God, Nick, this is unbelievable!" And I think it did, um, it did catch us in the headlights a small bit, you know. Yeah, is there? Looking at the age profile of that team in '97, yourself and and Dermot McKay, Peter Riley, Larry, Jason, so many were twenty, twenty one, twenty two years of age. Is is the regret that that was the only Ulster title, the only title that that he's got at adult level? Yeah, we would definitely. Um I feel, and I know talking to the lads, that '98 we had just as good a team as '97. We felt that the other teams that were there in '98 were weren't as strong as the teams were there in '97. Mm. So um, it was definitely, I think, a hangover from '97, and also Mark McHugh had left us at that stage. And I think that um, I think whoever was going to come in after Mark McHugh was always going to find it difficult because um, the core of that team of that panel there was still a good 16, 17 lads there and we seen what success was and we seen what we had to do to get success so when the new manager came in I think that we were so set in our ways what we'd done with Mark McHugh that we felt that we weren't doing things that we should have been doing but it's only that when I finished playing up now and I and I realised this that and this happened for a few years after and I've talked to players about it that Every manager we've played under brought new ideas and he brought um, new techniques. But we weren't willing to move with those techniques or those new ideas because we felt what got us to the championship in 97, we weren't doing. Although these managers now I know were right, they were moving with the times and they were moving with the way the game was going. We were just so hung up on how we got the success in the first place and we felt that we needed to keep doing that to keep getting success, which actually we didn't. It was just that we never gave the managers probably the opportunity that or the... You know, I would say the, not the dedication, but I would say we just didn't give them the opportunity to impose what they wanted on us because we felt it wasn't right at the time, and that is something that I've learned to bring into my own management career. You know, so looking at it, it's 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 the belief, it's making the players believe in what you're doing is the manager's first job, really, because 
obviously you all believe that whatever Martin was doing was the only way it could be done and, and therefore it, it, it stifled a, a, an unbelievable talented group of players Yes it did definitely did it definitely did <clears throat> and you know as I said the managements that came in after it yes were, were, were doing the thing right but we felt it just wasn't you know well you know it's not that we felt maybe we never said it but inside us we were probably thinking ourselves we should be doing this shouldn't doing that but and we probably didn't give uh, full credit to the managers came in after as I said it was it's something that I learned after and I realised you know what they were actually all had different trades you know that they all brought something different to it and we were just a bit naive not to be willing to move on and that's where you know us as players at that time should have been experienced enough to say right look at He's different ideas. Let's buy into them. Let's open mind and and let's change our mindset the way it was because we knew that. Well, we knew afterwards that we should have been doing that, and we probably didn't. Now, to be honest, you know. Um, yeah, there, there, there's so much. There's so much in that, and and I think that that's the first. That's the first player that I've seen or heard um, talk about the disappointment of after '97. Yeah, well. First of all, I, I love the image of two young footballers, too, like him and Jason O'Reilly, two young men of 20 or 21 in a stadium of 70 or 80,000 people, most of them from their home county, which is a small rural place. That is unique in world sport. Yeah. That, in that particular day, they could honestly say, there's nobody else in the world experiencing what we're experiencing right now. Two young fellas, and, and the, the crowd are so, so um, enlivened that the lads couldn't even hear themselves talk, that they were shouting and they, and they were beside each other and had to shout. So like that image is un, is incredible. And then, we, as you say, talking about the, the disappointment after 97, and it's interesting that he says that they weren't willing... It was like McHugh, McHugh had been so good that they weren't willing to accept any other manager. Mm-hmm. Everything he did, if, if it wasn't what McHugh did, they thought was wrong. And he knows now that, that the players were wrong there. Yeah, which and I thought that that was a very... It was a gutsy thing for him to say. You know, yeah. look, we 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 probably messed up our own era as a group of players. No? He's not saying it was just him, or or he doesn't even go into it. But saying that, that, I thought that that was so interesting. That point about that, you know, McHugh and, and McHugh must have been an absolutely brilliant, inspirational character to those players, but to such a point that nobody else could ever emulate or or get to the level, and nobody else was ever good enough. And that's. I suppose it's like the girlfriend that breaks it off with you and, and you're looking for whore in the next one. <laughs> you yeah. never get whore again. Yeah. You've, got, you've got to understand that every individual is different. It's amazing. When he, like, he makes a good point there, something I never thought about actually before, but now I've been thinking about it um, since I listened back to that clip. I was thinking about it. He was saying that in 98, Cavan had just as good a team, probably better, Okay, they had lost. They had lost Stephen King and Damien O'Reilly retired, but still had just as strong a panel. He he reckoned, and had the experience of winning. And he said all the other counties know they're dipped in '98, so like there's no reason why Cavan shouldn't have won. If you look at the All Ireland in '98, like Derry beat Donegal in the Ulster final in in '98 in a poor game. Mm. Um, they went on. Agawa beat them well in the All Ireland semi final. The other one, the other side of it, Kerry, Kerry were about a bit of a even though even though Kerry had won in '97, '97 was was a very bad final and uh, Kildare beat Kerry so you had a Kildare Galway final a very novel final Cavan would have fit in lovely there yeah. and, and Cavan w- with the benefit of winning the year before that was a massive opportunity massive mm. massive opportunity which Galway hadn't got coming through the other the year before and neither had Kildare you but know. Galway had a, Galway had 
a big, huge midfield and just a load of pace up front and they had Joyce. But Cavan had a load of pace up front as well. Like Cavan Cavan had a forward line as good as any around that time. Mm. Um, so if, looking back, sliding doors moment, but yeah. a great, great interview with Mickey Graham. Yeah, very, very interesting. And it's it's really interesting to, listen, to look back on the rest of the interview 18 months on and, and say, well, you know, things that he said then, could you see him trying to implement these things? You know, how is he feeling now? It's just yeah. just, a, just a nice moment in time. It is, it is. Um, we'll move on to a current player. Um, and of course, Darren McVitie is a huge loss to the Cavan panel in 2020 as he takes a well-earned bit of time out, I suppose, to go and travel. But before he departed, I spoke with him on the phone and he outlined his reasons for stepping away from the panel and highlighted an area where he felt the county are struggling a bit at the minute. So here's Darren McVitie. I suppose the, the one question Cavan supporters are wondering is, will we see you in 2020 or, or is the plan to, to stay travelling for the year? Uh, I don't actually have. I'm planning to South America and after that there's no really major plan. Like I'm, I'm going to go to Australia. I'm just living in Australia and I'll stay down there for a while and see. I have no major plans. You know, it all depends on how, if I'm enjoying it, I'll stay on it. If I'm not sure, I'll, I'll be home, you know, so. It all depends. It's just, it's just a good opportunity. It just suits me, you know. I'm on a career wreck at the minute from work. It's just a good time to go away, you know. I know if I, if I don't go now, I'll, I'll never go. So it's, it's kind of something that's been on my mind for a while. So I just can't wait to get away now, you know. Yeah, and I suppose being being a, a teacher and being a, an inter-county footballer, it doesn't leave huge gaps like your... If you weren't an inter-county footballer or a teacher, you have the three months in the summer or the two and a half months... But during that period, it's all football, so it doesn't really give you an opportunity to travel. Yeah, well, it's kind of well, like it's still it, it, does, it helps. To, it's great where you can kind of take a career break, teach, and then like uh, go back to it, which helps that sort of way. But yeah, I suppose the last few summers I got a great holidays, but I ended up doing camps trying to keep myself busy because I just I'd be bored easily, and so you can't go anywhere when uh, when the football you're in the middle of the championship season, either with club or county, so. Yeah, look, it was just, you know, I used to, uh, the Halloween break is the only time you get away for a week, but I'm uh, just looking forward to now being like, just a bit of freedom, being able to get away, you know. I'm just trying, like, I feel a lot of, like, I love playing for Cavs, I love playing for the club and all, but I just find it, for the last, you kind of, you just put so much into it, like, you know, it's just nice to get away from for a while, like, freshen mm-hmm. up a wee bit, I think, and then, and I can come back, like, it's not that I don't want to play for Cavs, of course, of course I do, I love it. I just, for myself, I just need to get away, I think, to get out of that bubble for a while and uh, just experience life a bit and then sure, I'll come back refreshed, deep God, and hopefully I'll be able to get safe again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you will. Taking it back, even like, the, you came out of, of under 21, I think 2014 was your last year. You're after winning three Ulster under 21s and an Ulster minor in 2011. You know, what was your expectations for, for senior football at that stage? Obviously, you thought the world was your oyster. Yeah, we were just, I suppose, we were lucky with a great self there at the 21s. You know, it really, uh, sure, it was brilliant, like, to get to win that. It just seems, it seems like a long time ago now, you know. Um, if I even ask me what have you won, like, I don't, I don't know if it even, it's just, it's, it's just, I, I wish we had something with seniors, you know, it's, it's all about seniors. I just always, when you're, the level you're playing at, the level you want to win at, I'd only cash them all in if we could get a senior Ulster, but it's just not that easy, you know. I think, I think we're going in the right direction, but yeah, as you say, like, when I came in first, you were thinking, 
why can't why can't we win an old start? In fairness, like you could do different runs and stuff like that, but it's just it's a it's a huge step up now in fairness to senior levels, you know, in terms of extract condition, uh, just play quality of players and that. But yeah, it's kind of I suppose maybe we haven't pushed on enough, but it's uh, it's hard to know, you know, it's, um, it's a tricky one. Is there? Is there any like regrets with you know that particular group of players? Is there anything that you look back now five years later and think, oh, we should have done this or this could have been done better? You know, when when you look back in the benefit of hindsight. Not particularly, no. I think like it's not that boys. Not most of what, like probably we lost a lot of the players. After some of them, a lot, a lot of players were lost, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one reason or another, which which is a bit of a, it's a regret. Like personally, and even the lads who kind of stuck about uh, himself, like there's no, there was no stone left on Tony. The boys have been putting in a serious shift over the last few years. Like it's just I suppose the the lads maybe that have left for one reason or another. It's, it's just a pity because there was so there's so many talented players in them few years. Like that we lost, we probably lost a lot of them. You know, which is which is bad. But I think even since then, there's probably maybe I was taking the ball as well because before maybe this year, you know, the likes of Conor Brady, Ocean Pearson, then by Stephen Thomas Gallion, there was like a gap there where like Kieran the Hall of Brady, Jerry Smith, they were on that team that I played on. But there wasn't really anyone who broke into the Calvin Senior panel and became a mainstay in that period. You know, there was a five-year gap where there was no one actually mm. you could say broke through. So I think maybe the, I like I suppose we were lucky that. That sense that we we had successful in the twenty one teams, but maybe I would take the ball a little bit because so you, know, you kind of need to keep the conveyor belt going, and then it kind of stopped a little bit. And everyone was talking about the the teams that won, but you know if you if you get two or three players every year to improve your team, you know you'd be as the year goes on, you'd be continually developing. Whereas we were kind of playing, we only we just which was not enough guys were breaking through. You know, I suppose the the twenties. Uh, change their twenties met the step up was bigger. They're probably four behind in terms of strength and conditioning and stuff. But it's just uh, it's just something you so need, need need to watch. I suppose you, can, you always want boys pushing and breaking into the senior panel. Do you know, Paul? In in this one, and I'd have obviously interviewed Dara. You know, post matches and stuff like that, and and maybe before championship games and that. You could tell he'd relaxed. He had come mm. back. You can tell. A clip I'll play in a few minutes, but he he, he just he he was he was in holiday mode. He was in holiday mode, and it was yeah. great to catch him in that mode because sometimes we think that the the person that we interview is just that play, that that player's personality, and there's so much more to them. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. No, I, I thought it was it was very good. He was very open and honest, and and uh, he was a very good talker. He was a very intelligent fellow, anyway. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was really good, <clears throat> and it, it's interesting the way he talked about. The strength and conditioning, maybe Kevin, Kevin's young players are lacking on the strength and conditioning end of it. Mm. Um, and I suppose that maybe the the story of the, the under twenty one players having not achieved an Ulster senior title has probably been well told at this age. But still interesting to hear it from one of the best players or his thoughts on it. So, but that that's a really that's that entire interview is full of insights. Yeah, yeah. It uh, another little insight into into Dara was so at the end of it we decided to have a little bit of fun and I was just firing questions at him um, so I, I you know one of the questions were as follows okay now was it, you, you win the lotto in the morning what's the what's the first car you'd buy <laughs> I never that's one thing I've never put a huge amount of emphasis on I don't really know 
Actually, you'd have to go with a Ferrari just for the crack of going around Calvin, big loud engine on it. <laughs> you sound good. <laughs> It'd be no good for pulling cattle, though. <laughs> I don't think so. You'd have to get a new Jeep then for that. happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and, and with that lot of win where would you buy your second home where's the where's that destination for the downtime well I'm, everyone flags me that I live in Balignan so I have to buy a house in Christian just to keep just to make sure <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if he wins the lottery, he's going to have to build a big house in Crushalot with a big statement and, and all the bricks are going to have to be black and then yellow intermittent <laughs> to make sure he makes the statement he's from Crushalot. Black and yellow, yeah. It's still, you know, the yellow bit still fits for bad. Yeah, that's the only problem. Uh, yeah. They might just take his door yeah. or something, a bit of smoke damage or something. I thought, because uh, I hadn't told him obviously that I was going to ask that question. I'd never mentioned it, but uh, as quick as you like, yeah, I thought was he was good. going to go Barcelona or you know, no, uh, New York. I'm going to build one over in... You <laughs> no, no, crush a lot. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant stuff by by Darren McVeady. Um Next up, then a lot of a lot of players or a lot of people will know the name Declan Coyle, and, and maybe for dumb, for some who don't, he was full forward on the Cavan team in 1969. He was flanked by Gene Cusick on one side and Charlie Gallagher on the other as, as Cavan beat the All Ireland champions in the Ulster final and beat them convincingly a lot of people would say that Cusick and Gallagher were the two greatest corner forwards Cavan ever had really so to be in the middle of that full forward line right. was, was he was keeping good company yeah and of course then Declan went on and um, he joined the priesthood and actually on the day of the interview he was 50 years since he was um, uh, ordained, as, ordained, priest, yeah. ordained as a priest um, so it was it was quite quite interesting that he was bringing his memories from all of that back into it but um, there were so many clips that I could have pulled out from this one that you know that I wouldn't have known because it's in an era before I was born but the, what I decided to pull out was more um, his his thoughts on 1969 and why they won an Ulster title and basically the difference between now and then but here's Declan Coyle if you look at that time, the Cavan team, we we never went to the past or the memories of the past except to get energy from it. Like, if you look at, like, if we look at our lives today and look at current reality and memories of the past, we're stuck. We're frozen. But we have to have a dream and make that dream more real than current reality or the past. Then we step into that dream and we, um, we, we, we experience it, we manifest it. Look at anyone who ever changed history, any of the great people who changed history. The one thing they did was the dream of their future was more real than the current reality or the memories of the past. Look at Martin Luther King at that monument in Washington, half a million people. Now, if he was stuck in current reality and the memories of the past, he would have said, in the, instead of I have a dream, he would have said, I have a complaint. I have hundreds of complaints. I have thousands of complaints. I have millions of complaints. Mm-hmm. Let me start with the Klu Klux Klan. Yeah. Then go on to the buses. Then go on to the restaurants. Then go on to the restrooms. And then go on to the churches. No. He didn't go there. He went, he said, I have a dream. And lest we forget it, he made the dream more real than reality. And he kept coming back to it. I have a dream. I have a dream. I have a dream. And in Kavanaugh those, those years, the dream of winning the All-Ireland was what we had. We never considered Ulster. 
It was winning the All-Ireland. Like, the dream was winning the All-Ireland. Yeah. And winning Ulster was just a step on the way. After the Ulster final, we came back here to Farnham Street in Cavan. And Paddy Maguire had a taxi at the time. And I remember, the Anglo-Celt Cup was in the boot. And Tom Lynch was with me. And we got out of Paddy's car and opened the boot. And I took out the Anglo-Celt Cup because in the back of my mind, I said, we'll have some fun around my huge and Dungiman with this tonight. <laughs> you know, and then Paddy said... Uh, no, leave it back in there. I'll drop it up to Ray Carlin during the week. And there was nobody on the street. It was a different story, 1997. Yeah. It was. But at that stage, you win the Ulster final. Like, it was like you had breakfast this morning. Are you still talking about it? Yeah. You know, yeah. it was accepted and you were, that. that's what you did. And we didn't see that we won the Ulster final. We saw the semi-final who were beaten in a replay yeah. for the All-Ireland. That's the way we, because we believe that we had an All-Ireland in that team. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Yeah, obviously Declan has gone on to be kind of a a life coach, um, a management consultant and, and motivator in general. But you can see from that what the learning he's taken from it that Cavan in, in the 60s you know, and before, they weren't dreaming about Ulsters. They were dreaming about All-Ireland. And the Ulster was just part of the package that came. You were guaranteed or you were, you were, you know, you were very, very close every single year to winning Ulsters. And that's what was expected from you. I, I like the bit where he talks about it was his first Ulster taking out the going to take out the cup and Paddy Maguire the taxi driver saying no no I'll drop that up to Ray Carlin's later on you know, don't, yeah. don't, don't be taking that out around Cavan sure. yeah. you know it's amazing. forgotten about by breakfast yeah amazing and I, I thought about that you know Charlie Gallagher was the captain um, in 69 and I'm sure Declan's memory is correct on that but I'd imagine knowing Charlie Gallagher I'd imagine he wasn't too bothered with the cup and they probably just said not knowing Charlie Gallagher, but knowing, knowing a lot about Charlie Gallagher, and it probably just said, "Well, Ray is the leader of the team. Throw it up the Ray, like he was sort of the, the driving yeah. force on the on this on the team. So even though he wasn't the captain, but it's it's a really interesting little nugget of nugget of history that. Yeah, it definitely is, and and, and Declan was so good with his time, and and he talks about obviously being involved with Kerry when they've won all Ireland's and Cork and Tipperary and and so many successes. After his his playing career and after his his time in the in his the playing days were very short, really, because he went off to study. And he, there's another good story in it about how he had to basically escape from the seminary to, yeah. to go and play a match with Kevin, and and how he got found out. Found out, absolutely brilliant story. I was yeah. going to bring it in as well, but it's just it'd be too much, too long in the clips. But definitely worth worth uh, worth subscribing for that one alone. Um, probably for me, 
the most interesting interview and, and, and from my opinion the best interview of the year was your one Paul with five time world handball champion Paul Brady and he sat down here for an hour and talked in depth with you about his football career and his handball career but in this clip he speaks about his emotion when looking back on his Cavan senior football career Like, What's your, what's your emotion when you look back on your era playing with Cavan? Uh. <laughs> It was enjoyable on some levels, but 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 it wasn't. You know, I suppose when you were having success over here, you you so wanted it at football, and it was very frustrating. I suppose I, suppose I, I remember it's frustrating. Uh, it wasn't enjoyable. It was a barren time. Uh, we had some, you know, moments where we were had a little bit of success and shown signs of success, but uh, it was very frustrating time. Uh, there, there were good players there, like. Like, it wasn't as bad a team for the lack of success that they had, or was it? Well, looking looking in on it, you would think that, but but you know there were so many things that that there were a lot of barriers to that to that stopped it ever being successful. Uh, I suppose in, in any generation, there's always good players and good team, uh, but the conditions just weren't right. I suppose I I had I could always compare it to my own training. So I was ticking a lot of boxes and, and, and knowing, you know, why I'm doing and the you know so when I come back into the cabin setup, there was a lot of these boxes I knew weren't being ticked. So I knew I felt I suppose I, I don't say I knew, I knew but I but I felt that okay, we're not helping ourselves here. But as a player <coughs> who wasn't there all the time, your my hands were tied and kind of what I could do or yeah. I tried to lead as best I could when I was there and on the field to play but I suppose your voice is compromised a bit when you're not there all the time uh, at any point you know anyone can say it to you well you know can 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 say that back to you so uh, like I say I, I kind of knew we were we were swimming you know, against the waves in a lot of cases. We weren't helping ourselves uh, structure structurally on board level or on managerial level. Uh, and obviously everyone was doing their best, but the the fundamental structures and basics that I had applied in my own training that I felt were necessary to, to win and be successful weren't there. So I knew we were all, uh, I felt we were all, but, you know, we were making life hard for ourselves, but... I still always believed we could win and get to the top and I could be successful within the team and be as good as anyone on the team. And as good as anyone I met uh, on the field of play, I, I felt confident in myself. I knew I was putting in all the preparation. Uh, while I might not have been at all the football sessions, I was training harder than any GA player. I definitely could could say that anyone I used to always say that to myself anyone on this island any GA player I, I looked them in the eye and say you will have to do a lot to be training as hard as I was because at that stage I wasn't working I was just basically professionals I just was finding it hard to get the balance right because yeah. and and uh, I suppose it's hard to put a finger on it then why why Calvin didn't make that breakthrough but something I wanted to ask about was the way your football career ended with Calvin like yeah. it seemed to be around that time there was a lot of experience allowed to just drift away from the panel and there was no bit of do you ever think there was no closure there for, for players no I suppose I'd seen 
uh, for me, I went to study in college. I had a text message from Val Andrews. I said I'd meet when I get home, and we had no contact after. But at that stage, I knew for the year or two before, I knew my time's up here. I suppose I was fine at physically. At that stage, I got into thirties. I got into my thirties. I was like, right, I've been here a long time, and the last year or two, I knew, you know, I don't know what, what's happening here. Do you know? Uh, you know what's this all about uh, I suppose and the belief started to, to wane a wee bit I was thinking right getting on here I find it hard to get the balance right but also <coughs> uh, players had, players were a few of the more experienced players were gone I was now the oldest player probably there the more experienced most experienced player there at that point and uh, I suppose you knew yourself you were coming and going it's not good for for, for the group uh, but I'd seen that happen before where, where players had gone and there was no continuity. There was no feedback given and no one asked. And I remember thinking, that's probably not right, you know, in terms of there's a lot of value. I'd seen the, the Carl Collinses, the Anthony Fords, the Mickey Brides, Darren McCabe's. I'd seen all these guys go and I'm pretty sure none of them were ever contacted. And I was thinking, there's valuable sources of information gone there. Just yeah. let go, maybe chairs would just oversee that how important that was or a new chair would come in and also oversee it and i was thinking that that's that's probably not good you know you're letting guys there's their valuable feedback they can give you to, to 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 fix this and no one's ever asking or no one's saying thanks for doing that over that su sustained period of 10 years you know you need to so that told me a lot about structurally at board level where there was faults. Uh, you know, there has to be a culture there of some sort of respect and, and that wasn't, that was absent. So I don't know where that lies and, you know, I hope that's addressed now at this point. Uh, you know, despite, you know, at what level or what contribution a player or panelist has made over a sustained period of time, I think it's, it, it is nice to always acknowledge that commitment it is a huge commitment and that's why I, you'd hate to see players being knocked even current players even now where some of them are traveling they're getting knocked you know they have lies and they're entitled to have lies and they've, they've given a huge commitment and i think the public can sometimes forget that yeah. you know you just see them there you, you, you know it takes a lot of effort for them to get to those sessions and and, and a lot of sacrifices so i think a board level that should be up to the board to acknowledge that and just even give a bit of background for the for the back. When we started doing the podcast first, the We Are Cavan podcast, we got Paul de Gunner in three, four, five years ago, whenever it was. And uh, we'd done a long, long interview. And then he told us, no, actually, I don't want that going out because yeah. he, 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 he let too much out. <laughs> yeah. But he's let so much out in this one. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. There's, You know, you, you wonder about the mind of a of a top, top athlete like that and, and somebody who's achieved so much, you get a great insight into this and I think it's because you know his mind too. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose you're right but it, it, it's that, like even in that clip, I know it's a five minute clip but it's, it's, it's there's a lot in it but it, it's quite damning of some of the things that went on in Cavan over the years too. Yeah. Like, And he's not setting out just to be controversial or anything but for example, he, he played I think 10 seasons, nine years, 10 seasons with Calvin and how it ended up was he was in an airport going to England he got a text message from Val Andrews mm -hmm. saying I'll be in touch with you after Christmas that was it he never heard again he was just let go and he lists out loads of players there that were that were 
as far as he knows, we're in a similar boat. And there's been lots of that over the years. It's a loss. Um, he the, he used the phrase that that the chairman o- oversaw that. I think he meant it overlooked that. Um, like he would have a different chairman come in and probably overlooked the value of of uh, not just not just in recognising the contribution a player makes over time, but but in what they can give back. Uh, basically, a debrief. If player if a fella is finishing up. Get him in, sit him down, and find out what can you learn from him. Mm. Like, what can we do better? Um, and I'd say there's lots of players like that. Like, I I try to, I try to write something in the paper about a player who retires. It's only a small thing, but at least it's some sort of recognition. Because otherwise, a lot of these lads just mm. slip off into the night and they're not recognised. But it should it shouldn't be. And even if it means going back to a player that that, like I I know one or two players who basically said no, I I, I didn't retire. You know, I I never sent out a notice and I didn't want to, you know, but I'm no longer going to play for Calvin because I'm too old now. You know, even if they're five years retired, bring them back in. Let's do something for them because there's there's no there's no pedestal to be put up on, you know, anymore for it. You, 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 don't, you don't get all the plaudits that you used to get years and years ago because county players are, are, are nearly... I don't know that they're coming and going very fast. And in Cavan, if we want players to want to play for Cavan, we have to make sure that the players of the past who sacrificed, or sorry, I don't like using the word sacrifice, but who committed and gave gave great joy to all the people who go and support the blue jersey. Let's make sure that they're always heroes, that they're yeah. always recognised for it. You know. See, so, the, I, I I read a quote from a, a Galway player. Like Galway won three All Irelands in a row in the sixties, and then in the seventies they got to a couple of finals and didn't win one two or three finals and uh, I read a quote from a Galway player and he was saying like the team of the 60s still meet up they've stayed mm-hmm. close over the years and all that team of the 70s all went their separate ways because they didn't win anything so there was never formal functions f- to, to pull them together over the years because it did, just because they didn't win yeah. And but they still put in, put in the effort and they still brought a lot of joy to a lot of people but they didn't win so they're kind of forgotten about it and Cavan teams haven't won uh, a lot at senior level so they're kind of like just let go and they're not going to have any mm. you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for reunions yeah yeah. but, but anyway we're getting off the point of Paul's but, interview but, but, it, but Paul's interview has highlighted that that you know county players of his era have been undervalued yeah um, and, and he talked about how his frustration at at uh, maybe the fact that he was committing to handball as well he was coming and going a bit from the panel so he felt that he couldn't Really lay down the law, or not lay down the law. He couldn't really lead as well as he w- wanted to because maybe he felt, would have felt like a hypocrite because he wasn't always there. He, he's quite open mm. about it in that clip, but there's there's a full hour of that, and every minute of it is is of is of interest. I think. Yeah, some of the some of the moments. I, I, one of the the questions you asked him, and and I I love this part of it was you know about. The, the the pressure of being I think I can't remember exactly what way you phrased it but the pressure of being so good at at, at the sport and him talking about a, a particular moment when he kind of wished he just hadn't got the ability like yeah. I thought that, that was an unbelievable moment yeah. I have to say probably should have clipped out that one actually yeah yeah because he, he t- the question I asked him was did you ever wish you didn't have this gift for handball that's it and he was like many times yeah uh, that that bit is actually and the, the, the next and, and and not not the spoilers, but the the moment when he says it, as in the moment when he realised it and, and and said, "Look, this is the time when it really kind of stood out to me." You think, Jesus, you're on top of the world. That's that's where you want to be. Yeah. But yes, anyway, it was it was an absolutely amazing amazing interview. I have to say. 
Um, yeah, so all of those interviews available over on patreon.com forward slash we are cab. So how does this Patreon thing work then? Spell it out here. One last time for the people in the back seats. Um, <laughs> so basically for $5 a month. Which is the price of a pint. Price of a pint in, 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 your, in your local establishment. Constabulary. Establishment. You could end up in a constabulary if you have too many in your local establishment. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, what you'll hear if you do subscribe, you'll hear our, our bloopers as well. Um, we're doing the podcast on on our outtakes and stuff. Some of our bloopers from last year over on Patreon. But for five dollars a month, you get at least one podcast a week with exclusive interviews and news about Cav and GEA across all circles. So we try to cover as much on 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 the rage through to ladies football, camogie and of course the, the men's senior and handball as well. So we have we've a wide range of, of topics that we cover. The most the, for me it's kind of when we when we get into championship and we get into both the the National League, the Alliance League the, the Ulster Championship All-Ireland Series and then into the Club Championship we're doing two or three podcasts a week yeah. you know we're, we're, we're just we're blurting out content because we just love that time of year and that's uh, that's that's five dollars a month for all of that so it's it's really good value so head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan thanks very much folks for listening to this advertisement I mean <laughs> the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast hope you have a great week yes it was great yes it was great yes it was great stuff and Larry has put it over the bar. It was hard, fast football after that. You're in Carvinaza, yeah! Was there a feeling that that might have been a chance for Cavan to get come back into the big time? And then the cave, and it's over the lap, and Cavan are not buried yet. Cavan doing all they could to hold their lead. To Derek McDonald, what a goal! Oh, yes! And over the bar, Vincent Cahill, what a day he is having! Oh, this is brilliant by Cavan! Dandy-legged farmers walking the roads near Virginia. Hurrah, yeah, hurrah, yeah. <laughs>